there. Welcome back. I'm Karen Hall, your host of the Hero Within podcast. I'm passionate about sharing inspiring true stories of unsung heroes who've overcome some of life's most challenging adversities. Come along with me and learn how you too can find hope and healing to return to love. This week on the podcast, we have a special guest. Her name is Adonica Ilani Kawi Tuitama. She's my new friend. We both have a mutual friend named Michelle, and she introduced us. And Adonica has an amazing story. She has been through so many incredible trials in her life. And she has seen how the Lord has blessed her with angels in the form of mortals on this side of the veil and also help from angels on the other side of the veil from her ancestors and others who are watching over her. And so in part one, Adonica shares her journey in foster care, the challenges that she went through with her divorce and going back to school as a single mom with three kids, including a nursing baby with no car. And I know you're going to really appreciate hearing Adonica's story. Well, I'd like to welcome our guest, Adonica, and we have a mutual special friend, Michelle. And so Adonica has had such an amazing life and Michelle has just bragged about her to me and I just had to get to know her. So Adonica, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and about your story. Aloha. My name is Adonica Ihilani Kawe Tuitama. I was born in Provo, Utah when my parents were here just for a short stay and then moved back to Hawaii. My family moved here when my dad decided he wanted us to have a better education. He's one of the lucky ones of his siblings. Not all of them were able or blessed to be able to go to school because it was so expensive and to be able to pay. And so my dad actually did go to school and he did graduate from college with a bachelor's degree. That's amazing. Yeah. From a young age, I didn't have TV until 10 or 11 years old. So every Saturday morning when our friends were watching cartoons and stuff, oh, no, no. My dad had us write essays in English. And depending on how old we were, that's how many paragraphs we had to write. So if I was eight, eight paragraphs. And then we had to do our chores on the farm and stuff. So he was pretty strict about that. I've always been really good at school and enjoyed school, but I will say it was challenging. And what I mean by that is I always wanted to be a doctor. And I remember many counselors and advisors telling me that I should probably think of something else. That was really hard for me. (laughs) Why did they tell you that you should choose a different profession? Well, that would have been in the 80s and I'm native Hawaiian. So the likelihood of me graduating was very low, still pretty low nowadays. And then going on to college and graduating, pretty much non-existent. (laughs) And once my parents divorced when I was 12, I was in foster care. And that's when I had enough and decided to just graduate. And when I was 15 years old, I went to work full time to help with my younger siblings. There's eight of us. And so I went to work for the next few years and at 18 when I aged out of the foster care system. At the time, there were no transitional services. So you turn 18, graduate in your homeless. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I ended up getting married really young at 18 and I had three young boys and then ended up getting divorced. And it wasn't until after then that I decided I need to go to college. So you started college as a single mom. I did. 
Oh my goodness. That is so courageous. I was still nursing my youngest son. I was five months pregnant with him when we separated. Oh my goodness. How did you make it through, I mean, trying to nurse a baby and (laughs) daycare and just do homework and take care of the kids? How how did you manage? Karen, it's so funny that you asked that because sometimes I think back and I... (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) And if I start crying, I'm really sorry, but I truly believe there were angels along my path every step of the way. So my oldest was four, the second was three years old, and then a new baby. I didn't have a car, so I rode the bus and I would drop the two older ones off at their different schools. I should mention my second son is autistic too. He went to a special needs preschool. And then the baby to the babysitter. And then I would catch the bus to school and do my classes. And I worked full time also. And then when I finished, I would pick them up and go home. I had many people here that would help me with watching them and and babysitting them. I had no money to really pay them. (laughs) Yeah, so. And you probably didn't sleep very much. (laughs) No, I still don't. I believe that. What was it that gave you the strength and the fortitude to keep going? Because I know getting a bachelor's is absolutely incredible as a single mom with three kids and a nursing baby. But but then to go on and go to graduate school, what has been that driving force for you? I think many things. Going back to my bachelor, my undergrad, I literally tell people ignorance is bliss. <laughs> My biological dad has a degree, but I lived in foster care. So I didn't necessarily have that context of college or anything like that. So technically I am a first generation. Right. So trying to navigate that, I had no idea. And I remember I went to UVU, Utah Valley University and BYU for some of my undergraduate classes. But I distinctly remember one night I was sitting at my desk. 1130 at night. All three of my kids are under my desk sleeping. Michelle was my boss. Oh, an angel in my life still is. Yeah. And we were working on a presentation for the next day that was very, very important. It's for the state legislature for funding for the department. And I still have homework to get done. And I'm so tired. And I just start crying. (laughs) Right. I cried a lot, but it's okay. I would be crying too. <laughs> I remember Michelle came and said, what's going on? And I just said, I just don't understand how people do this. And I feel like no matter how hard I try, I'm not measuring up. I'm not hitting that bare minimum. And she was like, what do you mean? So I will share this. I didn't understand that 12 credits in college was considered full time. Nobody told me that. Oh, I had no idea. So every semester, with the help of my one counselor, bless her pointed head, because she helped with the craziness, I actually did a bachelor's in accounting and nursing concurrently. Oh, my word. Yes. So she'd help me register. And then she'd hand me a paper that I had to take to the dean to get signed. But she never really explained to me. I didn't understand I was having him sign it because I was over the amount of allowed credits. I had no idea. That's the process I did every semester. Nobody explained that. So fast forward to that night as I was sitting there crying at my desk, Michelle pulled up my credits and I had 30 credits. 30 credits in one semester? Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. That's like 
two semesters combined. Yeah. And that's a lot. I had no idea. Oh. And she was, oh. what are you doing? And I'm like, that's the point. I have 30 credits. I'm trying to get to 40. I don't understand how all these people do 40. Because in my mind, 40 hours, 40 credit. Oh. Like nobody had told oh. me the math. Yeah. So I was just trying. And every semester I would take usually like 18 to 24 credits. But each time I was like, okay, I got to take a couple more and work myself up to get to full time. <laughs> oh my word. <laughs> so I'm a little embarrassed about it because people will say, you're so smart. And I'm like, mm, obviously not. <laughs> I would have known that. No, you're very smart to be able to handle 30 credits. We're just uninformed. <laughs> yep. Totally uninformed. Oh my goodness. But very blessed. Many, many people yeah. helped me. I'll say on this side of the veil and beyond. <laughs> oh, that is beautiful. You know, a lot of women think about going back to school and, and they debate, you know, has it been too long or how can they balance family and, and school and even remember how to study? <laughs> and what, what advice would you give them? <laughs> Karen, I'm so glad this is a podcast and they can't see me. It doesn't always look pretty. <laughs> so my <laughs> advice would be, I don't know that there's ever a good time to go to school. <laughs> That's a good point. I think it's something that whether we're learning because we need to like graduate and have a job and provide for our family, the motives may change, right? But learning is a lifelong process. We're always trying to learn and seek. So I kind of look at it that way. And I remember one of my teachers in my undergrad said, so you want to be a nurse, in four years, are you going to be a nurse or are you just still going to be saying you want to be a nurse? The time is going to pass. You may as well do it anyway. I tell people that all the time. I'm like, it's just one step at a time. Don't try to eat the whole elephant. That's from Michelle. I did a bachelor's and then I went straight for a double doctorate, a doctorate of nursing practice, and then a PharmD pharmacy. So I took a whole lot of chemistry, but it came time for me to move back to Hawaii. And at the time, I was super excited to go home. And I was like, that's going to be awesome. But I couldn't figure out how to do that with my three boys to transfer their schools, especially my autistic son. The resources are not as readily available. Yeah. And he had a lot of accommodations, especially in his formative years. And so ultimately, I actually ended up I never talk about it because it makes me cry. I ended up just sending a letter to the program and opting out. And then I flew to the country of Samoa to volunteer medically for a couple of weeks while I could cry and figure things out. <laughs> Pretty devastating. Yeah. But sometimes you have to make those choices. But being a mom is my number one priority and being present for them. So if something has to take a back seat, it's going to be school or work or something else. Not always an easy choice. Right. Yeah, I came back and didn't know what I was going to do. I ended up doing a master's in business administration, emphasis in accounting. And then I always knew I wanted to go medical. So in the middle of my master's program, I started doing an FDA clinical study. It's pretty intense and challenging. So I took my three boys and moved to the developing country of Samoa. And I ended up finishing my 
master's in Samoa to oversee that clinical study and do like a medical mission for three years. Wow. And what did you do on your mission there? I actually oversaw the diabetes wound care and did a lot of training with the local personnel, how to treat wounds. Of course, I'm recruiting participants at the same time if they meet criteria and then making sure that they have follow-up care. So I worked and my kids attended school there. That must have been an amazing experience. It was amazing. It was hard. A lot of work. It's 20 hours a day, seven days a week work. Oh my goodness. And I started a PhD in nursing at that time. So I did three years overseas in my program. And how did your boys do with that change? They loved it. In fact, they keep trying to convince me to move back there. (laughs) But I keep telling them, "Uh, I really need to finish school. So we're back in Utah in America. At the same time, I applied for the PhD in nursing. And then when the program was approved, I applied to be in the double doctorate of nursing programs. So I'm the first and only in my cohort. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I'll have my doctorate of nursing practice, which allows me to be a nurse practitioner. And I'm focusing on cardiometabolic endocrinology and insulin, insulin resistance, prediabetes, diabetes, hormones. That's fantastic because there's such a need for that in the island populations. Yes. That is wonderful. And to have a woman (laughs) that is going to be helping them, you will bring such a unique perspective to the care. I mean, I, I can't imagine that they have a lot of women in your position that will be doing that. So you're like a pioneer. That's funny that you say that because Michelle tells me that all the time. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) So tell me how you met your husband because I understand that you're remarried. So tell me about your wonderful husband. So I was a single mom for a little more than 15 years. And I met my sweet husband in Samoa. And yes, his dad was the former minister of health for the country of Samoa and also my boss. <laughs> oh, so the minister of health, Dr. Tuitama, one of the best people I have ever met in my life. Such integrity, humility. He's such a good man. And I used to tell him that you remind me so much of my dad. Like, I feel like I know you. And he would tell me the same. He has several daughters beautiful. And he just treasures all of them. And he would always tell me, yes, you remind me of my daughter. So it became a running joke over the years. I've been volunteering in Samoa since 2010. But every time I would go, he would say, Donica, are you married yet? (laughs) 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 And I would laugh. I'm like, no. (laughs) And he would say, I have a son that's not married. And I would just shyly say, okay. You're like, I'm too busy to date. (laughs) I have homework to do and work to do. (laughs) And kids to do. Exactly. I was like, I don't have time. Plus, you know, I'm like, you're my boss. Like, how awkward is that? And I never knew who his son was. Like, he never told me who his son. He would just say, I have a son. And then August of 2018, I attended a palliative care and hospice conference in Samoa. And being the Minister of Health, he keynoted the three-day conference. And I was able to network and meet people and speak. But on the time off, I talked with his assistant like we had gotten to know each other. And so we talked during those three days. And we kind of knew we lived near each other because we would see each other at the same stores and stuff. So he had asked me, 
like exactly where I lived. And that was in August. So from August until December of 2018, every Sunday, he would drop off food for me and my sons. And then he would weave these baskets and fill them with fruits and vegetables from his plantation. He never like came in the home or anything. He would just come to the driveway put it in the garage, and then he would knock on the door and leave. Very respectful. And a lot of times I wasn't home. (laughs) But I would get a phone call from my kids. (laughs) They would say, Mom, Colonel Sanders brought food again. (laughs) Because he makes really, really good fried chicken. And then in December, my kids, they all were like, Mom, what are you doing? You need to be dating this guy. (laughs) You need to seriously give him a chance right? And I didn't know. I was like, surely he's taken her. I don't know. But I talked with a couple of the nurses that I worked with. One of them is like a sister. And she's like, you know, you have nothing to lose. And one of my best friends, she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. So stressful for me. So they just said, okay, next Sunday, go home for lunch. So I went home and then I met him in the garage and thanked him and talked to him for probably an hour and a half. And then he asked if he could take me out, which I was like, given my schedule, I don't know exactly how that will work. (laughs) The only thing open when I would get off is literally McDonald's. So we would go and have an ice cream. That's the only thing open. So we dated until I moved back to America in March of 2019. We had been dating And he had told me about his family and he had told me about his dad passing away when he was a young boy, when he was five. And one day we're FaceTiming and he says, hey, can you talk to my dad for a minute? And I kind of looked at him like, how do you want me to talk to your dad? (laughs) You told me your dad passed away. And he hands the phone to him. And when I look at the phone, it's the minister of health. Oh, my. My boss. He can't yeah. see me because they're outside. I'm like, should I hang the phone up? What am I supposed to say? I was really freaking out at that point. And <laughs> he did the same thing. When his eyes adjusted, he looked and he saw my face and he said, Oka, like, oh my goodness. He's like, Adonica, where are you? Are you okay? Which hospital are you at? Are the patients okay? Did something happen? Like, of course, he's on work mode and I'm dying inside thinking, oh my goodness, I'm going to kill him when I talk to him again. My husband now. I'm like, (laughs) what am I supposed to say? So finally, uh, the minister said, wait, why are you calling me on Tiva's phone? Did Doreen, his secretary, did she give you this number? Did you need to reach me? And I just smiled. And then I'm like, has Tiva said anything? And then his tone of voice changed. And he said, about what? really serious tone. And I'm like, "Uh, uh, um, well, we're uh, dating. (laughs) (laughs) And he started to cry. And he cried for probably a good two to three minutes. And I just let him cry because I didn't know what to say. Like in my head, I was like, wait, do I say I'm sorry? But what am I sorry for? Initially, I'm feeling kind of sorry, like, uh uh-oh. And then I started getting like crazy thoughts like, wait, is this where you're going to tell me he's married with 10 kids and like, this is not a good thing? Or why are you crying? (laughs) What's going on? Yeah. So that's when he told me, he said, 
Tiva is my beloved son. Of all my kids, I'm so proud of him. He never had a chance to go to school or have a formal education. He has spent his entire life serving our family, serving me humbly, respectfully, never wanting anything in return. And as he's gotten older, we've worried about, you know, is he going to marry? Is he going to have children? How is this going to work for him? Because he was almost 40. Mm-hmm. He's been married, no kids. And so he said, you will never find another man that has more integrity, that is so loyal. He will be loyal to you forever. He was like, I couldn't be happier. And then he asked if he could take us to dinner that night. And I had to let him know I would be leaving country the next week. So that's the behind the scenes story. (laughs) And he probably just said, you are such an answer to our prayers. (laughs) Well, he and I had known each other 10 years, like a long time and dearly loved each other. I had no idea this was the son he had been trying to set me up with for 10 years. (laughs) We found each other on our own, just 10 years longer. (laughs) (laughs) And so tell me more about your husband. So my husband, his name is Nuumativa Tuitama. He is super humble, very humble, very quiet, almost shy until he gets to know you, but he's very funny. So we communicated long distance because I came back to Utah March of 2019. Then he flew here in July and we got married. He came actually to ask my parents for permission to marry me. We ended up just secretly and quietly getting married because of fertility issues. And the doctors needed a sample from him. And I didn't quite know how I was going to ask somebody for that if I'm not married to them. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then in September, he came for the, the real big wedding. And then I went back to Samoa to have our wedding celebration there. And then that December was the last time I saw him for two years because of COVID. Oh, so he had to stay in Samoa? Yes. He came to visit December of 2019, and then the pandemic happened. At that time, I was the COVID nurse for home health and hospice for the company I was working for. But my husband, because of international travel restrictions, there was no flights in or out of the country of Samoa. So for the next two years, our family was separated. Oh my goodness, you barely get married. (laughs) You have to live apart. Yes. I don't want to like downplay it because it was heartbreaking and so extremely, extremely hard. But I remember thinking during that time that I had been prepared. I had been a single mom for 15 years. I had done it. So on one hand, yes, it was extremely difficult and I cried a lot, (laughs) but I cried a lot before too. (laughs) But I also had been prepared. Like I knew how to do things like a single mom, because I had done it. Where if I hadn't had those experiences from before, I probably would have crumbled because I was already in my doctorate. I had just been accepted to the DNP. So the second doctorate added in, we were building a house, like adding on because we take care of my biological parents live with us now. 
So we were adding on and then he couldn't come. (laughs) Wasn't that great the way Adonica was able to just persevere and continue on through such a challenging experience in foster care and then going to school? And what a wonderful miracle that she was able to work in Samoa and meet her husband after 10 years (laughs) of working there. And what a surprise to find out that it was her boss's son (laughs) all this time that he was just hoping that he would be able to set her up with his son. And finally, they met on their own. We'll continue in part two to hear more about the love story and how things progressed in their relationship and about the miracles that followed. Thanks for listening. I know you're busy. Did you know that you help spread the love by leaving a review and following? This helps increase our visibility so people can find us online. I really appreciate your help. I'm wishing you lots of love in your own hero's journey.